Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up your volume. volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire back to Lafleur. The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> there is a bomb. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la victoire des Canadiens. You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Matt O'Hayan with you on the Sick Podcast. I'm back. That's right. It's the Hebrew Hammer. Back with you for another Friday evening. Uh, crazy busy week for the Montreal Canadiens on the ice. Uh, some news off the ice, which is nice. It's always nice to see Kent Hughes address the media. Uh, we're going to break it all down soon, but let's take care of a little bit of business first. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Energy Transportation Group has been named by the Financial Times as one of the uh, one of the America's fastest growing companies in 2023 and have been recognized by the Globe and Mail as the top growing Canadian company for two years in a row. They work with some of the biggest Fortune 500 companies providing end-to-end logistics, services, join a winning team, and check out Energy's career page for available opportunities. We're also brought to you by Playground with over 30,000 square feet of new gaming, dining, and entertainment space. It's time to readequate yourself with Playground. World-class sushi, AAA steaks, live shows, and a brand new poker floor, and so much more. Located just over the Mercy Bridge, only minutes away from downtown Montreal. Playground. Experience the strip without the trip. And of course... By La Bita TB Beer, brewed in Quebec and a winner of a dozen international awards, La Bita TB offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bita TB, embrace your true nature. Oh, and I forgot, we have a new we have a new sponsor. We're excited to welcome Accent Insurance Solutions as a new sponsor of the Sick Podcast. You know all your all insurance isn't created equal, and you know where to find the right solution for you. Accent Insurance. Accent doesn't sell insurance; they shop insurance for you to find the right right product, right on the money, whatever your insurance needs, home, auto, or business. Call the Accent team today at 514-3636. It's on the the screen. It always messes me up. It's it's okay. Uh, And get the right solution at the right price. Visit their website at accentassurance.com. Okay. Um, Last time I spoke to you guys, I was 
very pissed off with the Canadians' performance. Uh, the last time I spoke to my guest, he had hoped that I would be happier by the time I would talk to you guys, and I was even more pissed off. Uh, but then Saturday uh, happened where the Canadians put up a very, very good fight against the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, lost in overtime. What can you do? And then, hey, beat the Colorado Avalanche. How about that? That's what you could do to make people feel good. Four to three on Monday. I was at the game. It was a very exciting one. Beat the New Jersey Devils and then lay an absolute egg against the Ottawa Senators. Let's talk about it. Uh, Kent Hughes also spoke to the media, like as I said this week. Let's talk about it with my usual Friday guest, Mr. Stu Cowan. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm doing uh just about as good as the Canadians, you know, like not too much to complain about at the, at the moment could be better, but Hey, beggars can't be choosers. So let, let's, uh, let's take it back from, uh, from last week. Like the Canadians, they play those two games against Philadelphia and San Jose. And it's funny because, you know, like at that point I was still mentioning the P word, you know, not by, them being a playoff caliber team, but just by proxy of the way the East is going this year. Um, turns out with the results they got this week, uh, they would be just on the cusp of a playoff spot. Had they won those two stinkers of games last week. Um, do you have an explanation for the way this team plays one week to the next? Yeah, young team, rebuilding team, inconsistent. <laughs> I mean, they haven't won three games in a row all season. They haven't lost more than four in a row all season, if you want to look on the right side that way. So they're, they're just really inconsistent. And back-to-back -back games are hard on a young team, and they haven't had much success in back-to-back -back games this season. And this was another case of that. Um, the fact they can beat the Colorado Avalanche shows that when they're firing on all cylinders, this team can compete against any team in the league, but they don't fire on all cylinders every game. And they don't do it. They do it maybe 60% of the game. They, they know, The Canadians need to work – extra hard to win games. They just can't turn it on. They don't have the talent to turn it on. And, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs can do, right? They Leafs can be losing 3 nothing and decide, okay, we're going to start scoring goals and they have the talent to do it. The Canadians don't. Uh, it takes a full team effort. They didn't have that last night. They had a lot of sloppy play, a lot of giveaways in the neutral zone. Uh, Caden Primo wasn't great in nets. It's not, it didn't get a lot of help. But it was just one of those games that showed, uh, you know, you go back to the golf tournament before the season and you remember Jeff Gorton didn't want to say the P word, right? They didn't think management didn't think this team was going to make the playoffs this season. And that's before they had all the injuries. When you throw in all the injuries, it's actually surprising there where they are. They're four points out of a wild card spot going into that game against Ottawa. And from management's perspective, like I don't know if they think making the playoffs this year is the best thing for them either. Like I think they're, they're you know everything they're doing is looking towards the future, including the three goalie system, and. You know, management, uh, the players want to win every game. That's what they're made for. But I, I honestly think management, and Jeff Gordon didn't come out and say it at the golf tournament, but he didn't want to say the P word. And I think as this rebuilding process goes, management might feel they're better off not getting in the playoffs and getting another high pick than they are getting in the playoffs and getting blown out in the first round, which is likely what would happen. But, you know, kudos to Marty St. Louis, this team – they haven't had a whole bunch of stinkers, right? They've, they've had, unfortunately, they've had one against the worst team in the NHL, and they've had one against the worst team in their division within a week. But they've also played some solid games in between. But again, a young team, they're going to be inconsistent. And those back-to-back -back games, especially on the road, uh, are really hard. And uh, we saw that uh, against Ottawa last night. Yeah, I, I, I wonder, though, do they just play? It feels like it, at least when they play a team like a Colorado uh, New Jersey, you would say about them, you know, uh, you would say this about them. You'd put them in that class last year. Unfortunately, they have been getting the the, the goaltending they need because they've certainly been getting the offense that they need. Um, you know, you would say that they play kind of fearlessly against these teams and they play very structured, I find, like against the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, they were coming in on what? It was a nine game winning streak at that point for them into the bell center and you know the canadians had them on their heels at points it almost feels like they there's a maturity level that they know to respect their opponent that is you know highly touted and they have those games it's like they have those games circled on their calendars but when you have a team like ottawa you know they're 
it, it can't be a matter of oh we're just going to waltz in there and we're going to beat them we're better than them like it can't be that, that no the, the thing is the canadians need really good goaltending to win also and if you go back to two previous wins jake allen was really good and Sam Montemo was really good. And last night, as I mentioned earlier, Caden Primo wasn't really good. You know, those first two goals to the blocker side. And you go back to the game against Florida when he got beat five times to the glove side. And you wonder if teams are almost reverse psychology on him now, uh, him thinking they're going to shoot high glove side and instead they're shooting low blocker side. Um, he had some rebound control issues on one of the goal. He got cut out of his net a little bit. Um, now, as I've said before, there's reasons that Caden Primo was a seventh-round draft pick, and not too many seventh-round draft picks even make it to the NHL. You know, he's got there now. Um, and from Ottawa's standpoint, like I don't know, you know, Michael Andlauer, Montreal native, self-made billionaire, paid nine hundred and fifty million dollars US for the team. Grew up as a huge Canadians fan. Was part of the ownership group of the Canadians before he bought the Senators. He had a ten percent stake. The game story I wrote last night. Like nobody was happier with that win, I'm sure, than him. And you wonder if the Ottawa players maybe inside their heads were going, you know, this guy just spent $950 million for our team. And it seems like he's going to be a good owner. Uh, maybe we should try and beat the team that he used to be part of. Uh, maybe that factored into it. But, uh, you know, Ottawa came to play and the Canadians didn't come to play last night. It was, it was basically as simple as that. Yeah, you know, it's uh, there's not much else to really dissect out of that game. You know, I, I, I think I turned on the game. Game started at what seven oh eight. I turned it on maybe at seven thirty. I waited till uh, I'll be honest uh, with uh, with our listeners and viewers. I, I waited till Jeopardy was over. Um, <laughs> I turned it on at seven thirty, and you know I'm seeing the shots were sixteen to three. Yeah, and I'm like, man, you know it's you're not. So the three goalie system is not helping Caden Primo. No. He needs to do some work on his own, but uh, I mean, the team in front of him, you, like you said, you got to help him out a little bit, you know, yeah, forget, I mean, forget, forget goal support. You know, how about start with, you know, you're having trouble scoring goals. Forget the goal support for a second, like show some pride in front of him. Well, how about not playing so much time in your own end either? And there was a whole bunch of offensive rush. You know, they coughed up the puck so much in the neutral zone and senators were coming back at them in full speed. And the first two goals, I was, you know, skating in full speed and beating him uh, to the blocker side. So, and the three goalie system, it hurts him primo more than the other two goalies. I feel, you know, Jake Allen's a, a veteran. He's been around a long time. He was brought in here to be the backup to carry price and maybe play 20 games a year. He was a backup role when he was in St. Louis. He's used to not playing all that often. Um, Sam Montabo also is used, you know, from his history, he was used to not playing a lot. Caden Primo, you know, played a lot in university. He, he played a lot in the AHL and he's just, he's not getting enough starts. He's doing a lot of extra work with Eric Raymond, the goalie coach, but nothing replicates game action. Mm. And it's, it's hindered his development this year, but going back to what I said earlier about how Canadians management, you know, I don't think they expected to make the playoffs this season. I'm not even sure if that's a goal they have, um, but everything they're doing this season and, and Kent, you sort of made it clear at his news conference, everything he's doing right now is for the future. It's not nothing to do with this season. Like they're not going to go to a two goalie system and play Sam Montembeau every game because they think it, they might get into the playoffs that way. It's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. That's not part of this management team's plan. And their plan also is they don't want to give up Jake Allen for nothing. And they don't want to lose Caden Primo for nothing on waivers. And Ken Hughes is listening to trade off uh, trade offers, obviously, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Jake Allen is not traded a one-for-one -one deal. I wouldn't be surprised if he's part of a package deal, whether it involves some of the Canadians' young defensemen also, or maybe some of the 22 draft picks they have over the next two years. But everything Kent Hughes is doing and Jeff Gordon is doing is for the future. It's not for this season. They're not trying to get into the playoffs this season. That's not the goal. <clears throat> so as Hughes said at his news conference, this three-goalie system could go the whole season. If he doesn't get it, what he thinks is a good trade value a good asset management value for trading and it looks you know i'd be surprised if alan's not the goalie that they trade <clears throat> he'll think or maybe he'll figure there'd be a better trade that he can make in the offseason and if he's going to get more value in the offseason then he'll wait and they'll go with the three goalie system but he also made it clear it's management you know i, I get people on twitter why is marty st louis playing him why is what's marty st louis doing this has nothing to do with marty st louis mm -hmm. uh, ken hughes made it clear it's a management decision to carry three goalies He's not telling Marty who to put in net, but he's telling him you got to play all three guys. 
So St. Louis got to figure out a schedule. And Montembeau is getting the majority of the starts now, and Allen and and uh, <clears throat> Primo are sort of rotating as the backup role starts. Uh, but going for even Ken Hughes didn't even want to anoint uh, Montembeau as the number one goalie at his news conference. He said if he continues to play the way he is, uh, he'll get more most of the starts going the, the rest of the way. I'd be surprised if he doesn't make a trade by the trade deadline, but I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't either because it's all it's, it's all about. Now, this management team has a plan in place, and that plan didn't include making the playoffs this season. It probably doesn't include making the playoffs next season. Now, this is only the second full year of a rebuild. They're looking long-term, and as they've said right from day one when Gorton and Hughes took over, they want to have a team that's not just going to make the playoffs every year, but be competitive, be a team that's competitive in the playoffs every year. You look at the Boston Bruins are like that, right? They're in the playoffs every year. They're competitive every year. That's the kind of team they're trying to build. So they're not going to do little patchwork moves here. They're not going to trade Jake Allen for what less than what Ken Hughes thinks he might get for him just because, you know, getting rid of the three goalies might give them a better shot of making the playoffs. That's not what they're thinking about right now. Mm. Yeah. The, the part where I kind of scratch my head as I'm literally scratching my eye um, is that you have to think, okay, what, how often is it that teams in playoff contention, like this year's playoff landscape, mm-hmm. How often is it that teams that should be there aren't there and they really have the big issue is the goaltending issues? Like, Mm -hmm. for example, like a couple months, it's not so much anymore because a winning streak could fix anything. But look at Edmonton. Uh, You know, you take a look at Carolina. Uh, Another name that's been floated out there is Toronto. We'll throw them in the ring. Uh, You could even throw New Jersey in there. For So how often is it that you know, there's four teams that goaltending mm-hmm. is just going completely sideways for them, and that you'd have to think whether they those teams end up in the playoffs or not, they're aware that these issues are still going to exist. They're going to rectify that. You would think yeah. in the off season. You That's know, why I wouldn't surprise me. And use weights till the offseason to make a trade. And and the other thing that could happen: a team with a number one goalie gets injured before the trade deadline, and a team's desperate that they just need some kind of a veteran goalie uh, to to fill that role, even on a temporary basis. Uh, Jake Allen might be that guy. So it's you know it, people are criticizing Kings over a three goalie system. And I understand, and I've mentioned this before. I think on the podcast. You can disagree with decisions that Kent Hughes makes, but he has an explanation for why he's doing them. Mm-hmm. And explanations make sense. Like so, if you don't, you can disagree and say it's crazy. But if you listen to his reason why he's continuing with three goalies, you can go, okay, maybe I still disagree with you and think it's not the right decision. But I understand where you're coming from and making that decision. So let's let's talk a little bit more. Uh, let's move off the three goalies because uh, it's, I feel like it makes everyone's head spin. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's going to continue. I mean, it's going to continue. I think at least until March eighth, which is the trade deadline, and possibly longer. So just Habs fans, it, it it is what it is, as players like to say. Yeah, and that's uh, that was, I believe, uh, Claude Julien's favorite line. Yeah. Uh, so let's uh, let, let's jump on to another subject uh, let's talk about a little bit about Kent Hughes's press conference um, most noteworthy uh, thing or things to come out out come out of that for you well no I asked him the question about uh, the hundred point player or point per game player right they haven't had a point per game player since Kovalev they haven't had a hundred point player since Mats Naslin and can you? I basically said, like, how important is that in today's NHL? Do you need that? And you know, you look at the Leafs this year. I saw somebody tweeted today that uh, Austin Matthews could score seventy goals this season, and the Leafs might not make the playoffs. <laughs> no, it's sort of yeah. So, so Ken Hughes gave the answer uh, during the news conference, and then about maybe twenty five minutes after the news conference was over, I got a text from him. And he said, you got a couple of minutes. And so I, I met with him and he just wanted to expand on the answer he gave me. Because in the news conference, each reporter was limited to one question, right? And it right. was only 20 minutes, the news conference. When it started, they said it's 20 minutes. So he couldn't, you know, he, he was trying to accommodate, answer as many questions as possible and this, sort of as quickly as possible too. So more reporters could get an answer. But so when I met with him after, you know, and I wrote a column about it and he, he sort of expanded on it. And he said, you know, look, Look at the Boston Bruins when they won the Cup in 2011. He said, you know who their leading scorer was? It was Milan Lucic. He had 62 points. 
So when St. Louis won the Stanley Cup, they didn't have a point-per-game player. When L.A. won the Stanley Cup twice, they didn't have a point-per-game player. So he basically said, if you know a player like a Matthews or one of those, or Nylander before he signed, he says, if someone like that became available through a trade or free agency, and he said, it rarely happens. He said, yeah, we'd be interested. We'd look into it. Uh, he says, we have assets. We're going to have more uh, cap flexibility moving forward. But he said that doesn't happen that often. And he says, you know, if you're lucky and you get the number one pick when a Connor Bedard is there, you get that 100-point guy drops right in your lap, right? Just by the luck of the draw. The Canes, unfortunately, the year they got the number one pick, it wasn't Connor Bedard. There wasn't a Nathan McKinnon. There wasn't that elite, undisputed superstar player available with the number one pick. And they took Yuri Slavkovsky. And Hughes also made another good point to me. He says, look, he says, it's not like our coaches playing the trapping through – playing a trap system and mm -hmm. trying to win games 2-1, they're playing an open system. That's one of the reasons why there's breakdowns when they play against the Ottawa. He says, we want to play an offensive style of hockey. They just, you know, and people have criticized them for, uh, you know, drafting David Reinbacker uh, last year at number five as a defenseman when they need help up front. And I've, myself, I've seen, you know, I would have probably taken Ryan Leonard. That's a guy I would have, I thought he would fit more into their plans. But Reinbacker is a right-hand shot right hand shot defensemen are hard to find they figured they don't really have that moving forward so they took him and Hughes said you know we also took three forwards the previous year with their first three picks and then they took lane hudson an offensive minded defenseman with their fourth pick so again you can it, it, another example of how you can disagree with stuff that kent Hughes is doing but he's not a dummy he's a smart guy he's a smart hockey guy he's been around a long time he has a plan and and just the fact that you know he wanted to expand on it because he wasn't I don't want to happy is the right word, but he didn't have enough time to give the answer he wanted to give right. during the news conference. So he wanted to follow up on this. And what he told me afterwards, it's true. You know, they're, they're not playing a trapping system. It's true. They did draft three forwards the year before. It's true. They did draft an offensive defenseman in, in Lane Hudson. And it's true that he has a lot of prospects and a lot of draft picks moving forward that if that hundred point guy somehow became available on the market as a free agent or through a trade, he would be able to make that kind of deal to bring him here. But as a, again, he said that doesn't happen very often. So he's not holding his breath to get that guy. Well, it's uh, he's not a hundred point player, but his name was thrown out in the rumor mill after, you know, last, as of last week, uh, the Trevor Zegras is the hot mm -hmm. name. Now I'm not going to start saying like, let's formulate trades. However, what I find interesting is, the, the reaction that a lot of people have when uh, a name like this uh, comes to be, because he's been, you know, he's had an injury riddled season along with being snake bitten, uh, snake bitten, um, you know, but I'll take two years worth of uh, worth of uh, sample size uh, being his rookie season and his second season over, you know, whatever, however many games he played this year, everyone has a yeah. down year. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what puzzles me is that the reaction of Habs fans, you know, how, I mean, surprise, they're, they're split. It's either, yes, uh, let's get, let's throw everything we can at uh, Anaheim to get him or get that guy a million miles away from my team, ship him, ship him to Antarctica. I don't want him anywhere near Montreal. Um, I just find it interesting because the, the biggest argument against it is like everyone wants ever against the trade is everyone wants the first overall pick uh mm -hmm. this year or every year so this year it's macklin celebrini so i went to look and the biggest argument against trevor zegers is oh he's not big he's flashy he's this he's that he's uh, got a couple highlights but he's not going to do anything much macklin celebrini is the exact same measurements yeah. on height and weight as trevor zegers yet habs fans would open him uh, welcome him with open arms and, and celebrate the fact they'd be partying in the streets that they got the first overall pick. I don't know. I think it's interesting that, you know, this offensive talent is reportedly out there and mm -hmm. nobody wants to give anything up for him. Well, you know, as you say, six foot, 185, 23 goals each of the last two seasons. He's only got four goals this season. But I mean, the offensive talent's obviously there. Anybody who's watched them play, he's also good friends with Cole Caulfield. Uh, and he's also 22 years old. He's right in that age group that Kent Hughes is just the all the guy. Look, look down that roster. 
like three quarters of the team are 20, 20, 21, 22, 23 years old. He's got all that group in the same age. Right? I think that's part of why there's such a, a brotherhood in the locker room. These guys get along so well. They're all basically around the same age, similar interests, uh, similar stages in their life. Mm-hmm. And he would definitely fit right into that group really well. And as I said, a, a friend of Cole Caulfield, as I mentioned earlier, that you know Kent Hughes has assets. He's got 22 draft picks over the next two years. And as he said, in a perfect world, he's not using all of those, right? He's going to be dealing some of those draft picks away. You only have so many contracts he can sign with the team also. So you know, if indeed Zegris is available and becomes available, and that's a player that Kent Hughes likes and would like to add he is in a position to do something to get him right he has he has a lot to offer and that's when people are saying why are they continuing with this three goalie system why are they doing that well maybe it's you make a trade uh and you're going to take jake allen with the trade also or you're going to that's part of the deal or you're going to uh you know there's so many he doesn't rush into anything ken hughes he's very very patient and uh if indeed zegris is available and he's being shopped around and if hughes has interest in him and i'm be surprised if he didn't. Zegers is the type of player who fits into the type of game the Canadians want to play. As I mentioned earlier, they're not looking to play a trapping defensive style of game. They want to play an offensive game. Marty St. Louis wants his players to have freedom to do what they can do. And Zegers is one of those players that could probably flourish with Marty St. Louis as a coach, as you've seen with uh, other players that have come in here, other offensively skilled players. So it would make sense. And I mean, to me, um, if I'm Kent Hughes, I'd definitely, that's a player I'd be really be interested in bringing in here because I think he would fit really well uh, in what they're trying to build. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more because I just find it, I find it very interesting. The more you see people like talk about it, it's, it, to me, it's a no brainer. You know, mm-hmm. what is this team bereft of? Offensive yeah. talent. Mm-hmm. And well, <laughs> this guy is, this guy is all the talent in the world that you could want. And as I mentioned before, Hughes isn't looking to build that team with that. I mean, he'd love to have a hundred point guy, but that's not. Of course, you realize how hard. Like he'd rather, if he had a choice, he'd rather have uh, you know five or six guys that can score 20, 25 goals, right, and have a, a balanced offensive attack, all playing under the system. Marty Saint Louis plays. You'd have three lines that could score goals, which is probably better than having that one guy who's a hundred point guy um, moving forward. So it, it makes sense to me for a lot of reasons, whether it will happen, we'll see. But uh, again, it's why Kent uses patient. Like maybe in the off season, that's when that trade is easier to make than, uh, than it is uh, before the trade deadline. Right. And you know, like, I don't know, I'm not going to pretend to know uh, Anaheim's organizational depth at defensemen other than, mm-hmm. you know, you know, they, they have uh, what's a, he was on team can Olin Zellweger. Uh, that's a, you know, he was, mm-hmm. Other than him, I really don't know their organizational depth at defense. So what do the Canadians have a lot of? Yeah. A ton of defensemen that are just yeah. not they're they're a lot of them are proven. They're NHL exactly. quality. And they've also and, David Reinbacker, a number five overall pick. Right hand shot. I'm not saying they're gonna trade David Reinbacker, but it's it's possible. I mean, Ken Hughes is open, you know, he's always says I'm open to basically anything or, or whatever whatever's gonna make this team better moving forward. Well, I'm, I'm sure, and I'm sure, uh, you know, a couple months ago, if you had asked uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, and they would give you the, um, they would give you the, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for here? The political answer, because uh, obviously they knew behind closed doors, on are you going to trade Cutter? Can you envision a world where you're trading Cutter Gauthier? They're probably going to say, hell no. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, it, things happen. Things happen yeah. in the NHL. Um yeah. I, I find I just I, I love when a player like this is on the market because it obviously sparks this type of debate and it's very interesting yeah. to see different perspectives. I, I think uh, I think you know uh, the the Canadians would be crazy to not uh, to not kick the tires on Trevor Zegers if he was truly available. Yeah, and again going back to to Ken Hughes, you know, being patient with the three goalies and willing to wait till the offseason if he has to. You know, some of the worst moves NHL general managers make are at the trade deadline. Panic moves and on July 1st, free agency. Right? There's two two deadlines where guys are, are you gotta do something now. You gotta do something now. Yeah. And more often than not, I would say, probably more than 50% of the time, I think those things don't work out well. I mean, there's a lot of bad <laughs> trades on July 1st. There's a lot of bad trades. I mean, look at the you know, the Kings got a first round pick for Ben Sherratt at the trade mm-hmm. deadline. So it, and then Sherratt played a few games and uh left Florida and he was he was gone. He went to Detroit. So it's um, I, I, you know, patience. I say 
patience is a, always a virtue and even more so when you're general manager of an NHL team, especially a rebuilding team. I mean, I mentioned like this management team went into this season, not expecting to make the playoffs. If everybody stayed healthy, if Kirby doc played all 82 games, if Alex Newhook played the whole season, they, they didn't, they weren't expecting to make the playoffs and rightfully so. I mean, I didn't have them picked to make the playoffs before the season with no injuries. I don't know many people who did. My friend Pat Hickey is one of the only people I know who, th- who thought they could make the playoffs. And then he changed his mind after Kirby Doc got hurt in the second game. That was pretty quick. But um, again, it's just, it's patient. And this is the second full season of a rebuild. And as I said, even next season, I don't know if the, the, the goal for the Canadians management team is to make the playoffs. If they, <coughs> excuse me, if they do get in, okay. But they're building for another couple of years down the road. I think year four is where the, you got to start seeing some results. And Ken Hughes has spoken about that before, too. As you get further along in the rebuild, the pressure builds on everybody, including him, including Marty St. Louis, including the players. You know, year four now, let's go. You know, this is year two. Fans, Habs fans still have to be patient. You know, be happy. Habs fans should be happy that the Canadians, look at Ottawa. Ottawa's out of it already. It's all the, you know, they're coming for the season. They were supposed to be, you know, the team. And and even though, you know, you talk Going into the auto game, Kings were only four points out of a wild card spot. That's true, but they had like three or three or four teams ahead of them. So the four mm-hmm. points is is misleading, right? You gotta if you if there's one team ahead of you and it's four points, okay, you win a couple of you're right there. But when you got three or four teams you're chasing, the, what those teams are gonna win when you win, and uh, and it's a tough thing going forward. So you know, to me, I didn't think the Canadians would be at 500 at this point in the season with everybody healthy. And they're just hovering around that 500, but missing Doc, missing Newhook, that's why they just, you know, they can't, they haven't won three games in a row all year. You look at Edmonton, I think it's 12 in a row they've won now. Yeah. They have to do that. The Canadians don't. The Canadians have to work twice as hard, probably, as the Edmonton Oilers need to work to win a hockey game, right? When you have McDavid and uh, Drysaddle and these guys, it makes it a lot easier to win hockey games when you have that kind of offense, that kind of firepower. And the Canadians just don't have it. Um, You know, they have. You know, Ken, you spoke about this at the news conference too. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, he had, you know, you got fourth liners playing on the third line right now. You got third liners playing on the second line. Their first line they've solidified now, um, but it, it's it, they're 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 playing above where they should be, in my opinion, at this point in the season. No, I don't. I don't think that, especially given the context, because I think uh, I think it would have been fair uh, to expect a 500 team with a fully healthy team. Uh, considering where they were last year, and then you would expect yeah. natural progression, I, I think it would have been a, a yeah. fair thing to assume. This way, the way it's going right now, it's like no chance that they would be 500. But yeah. lo and behold, yeah. 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 500 this year with, with Doc and uh, Newhook and everybody around. And you know, they lost David Savard for 20 games earlier in the season. Also, that had an impact on them. Um, the injuries just keep coming and coming, right? Uh, Jordan Harris missed the game. The Warwick's out for the season now, um, and they still they you know they they haven't lost more than four in a row. Last year they had two seven game losing streaks, so they've been able. Well, they haven't been able to win three in a row. They they haven't gone in that total dive where they lose six seven eight in a row. Yeah, and I think that's uh, that that's also just a very important thing for the team. Even if they lose three in a row, win one and lose yeah. another three. It's very important to not slip down that rabbit hole because that's, yeah. when, Seven that's when the firestorm start, starts. Yeah, guys start getting down and certain guys start maybe questioning uh, things. And I, I think the players know that they like the system Marty plays. They like the freedom they have. Um, they've seen, they know it can work when they're all working together and they're mm. firing on all cylinders. And but it's part of, you know, Marty said after the game last night, he says, you know, certain games we think we're going to take that next step. And last night was a game maybe he thought, you know, okay, we're, we're going to get three in a row. We're going to go into Boston, three-game winning streak. Maybe we can carry it on. And then they didn't get it. So he's still waiting for that moment when they do get that third straight win, you know, and maybe a fourth straight win. It can go on a little bit of a, a, little bit of a run. But, again, they, they got to work so hard to win hockey games. It's tough, and back-to-back games, it's it's really tough. You know, they played really well in New Jersey, and they were just they were out of gas in Ottawa. I think it's pretty much that simple. Yeah, and you'd have to think, you know, they're playing against, like you said, Boston on Saturday in Boston. They got to have that game against Ottawa circled, like they got embarrassed. You yeah, know, whether oh, yeah. they got embarrassed against San Jose and they bounced back, and look what they did after San Jose. They played solid games back-to-back against Edmonton. 
in Colorado. And they, they have a day off today in Boston, so they relax, recharge their batteries a bit, get a good night's sleep, uh, and they should be ready to play Saturday against Boston. I'd be surprised. I don't think they'll beat the Bruins in Boston, but I'd be very surprised if we don't get a, a solid effort from the Canadians tomorrow night. And uh, if Canadians fans want to take solace in anything for the ones that are impatient still about the rebuild, because, you know, I always see in the comments and this time it's no different, you know, enough with the rebuild, enough, enough. It's like, yeah, you all wanted this. Fans have said forever. Canadians fans are, you got to rebuild. We got to blow, especially Tony, right? Tony was one of the guys leading. Oh yeah. He's the the number one. You got to rebuild. Well, you've got a full rebuild and a full rebuild doesn't mean in year two, you're a playoff team. It just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't. And, and, as I mentioned earlier, you almost don't – as a management, you almost don't want that. Like you need more high draft picks, right? You got to build through the draft. So, you know, making the playoffs getting blown out in the first round isn't really the best thing in that management's eyes, I believe, that moving forward. Like keeping competitive, hanging in there, you know, being in contention, keeping play, playing meaningful games that the players say, you know, we still have a chance. The players want to win. Players want to get in the playoffs, right? It's, it's, mm-hmm. So they want to win. So having that and 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 pushing hard and 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 you know, you don't want to tank. You don't want to be the you know, Chicago this year. You know, imagine if Chicago wins, gets enough. They're even worse. You know, you know what's crazy about Chicago? They're even worse than they were last year, and they were bad yeah, last yeah, year. Horrible. Yeah, gone, and so they could get the first pick Ooh. again next year, but. Does that mean that they're going to be ahead of the Canadians in the rebuilding process? Maybe, no guarantee though, right? And, and again, it's it's Ken Hughes is trying to build a. No, he he lived in Boston. Patrice Bergeron was his client. He's he's seen the Bruins, right? He's seen a lot of Bruins hockey. He's seen yeah. how that team has built their team. He's negotiated contracts with the Bruins general managers. He knows. You know, you look at the Bruins; they lose two of their centers key centers this season and they just keep rolling no along prob- no, pr- no problem so that's the no team problem. that that's the team Ken Hughes wants to build he wants to build that kind of team and and for a rebuild I mean what better franchise to look at than the way the Bruins the Bruins are in the playoffs every year they're competitive every year they lose key guys it doesn't matter they just keep rolling along rolling along rolling along they built that winning culture in the locker room their leaders lead they, they just you know, Charlie is Bergeron they, they just they keep winning and that's what Kent Hughes is trying to build, and you're not going to do that in two years. To be to be fair, uh, you know, if Kent Hughes wanted that, uh, wants to build that type of team, they got a hundred point player in David Pasternak. Um, so, yep. and but as he mentioned, yeah, uh, they do. Ahead. But when the when the Bruins won the cup, they didn't have a hundred point player, right? And right. and Bergeron was never a point. But Bergeron, the most points he ever had was seventy nine. So, like, I think it's still, like, I think having a point-per-game player is important. I think you need to have, yes. especially in today's NHL, I think you need to have a star player. I think that Nick Suzuki can be a point-per-game player. And Ken Hughes told me that when I talked to him, too. Like, if you put him in Tampa, uh, with Stamkos and, and Kucherov, he's a, he's a point-per-game player. You put him in Boston, yeah, he's yeah. probably a point-per-game player. I mean, Nick Suzuki's a heck of a hockey player. And he could finish this season as a point. Cole Caulfield keeps scoring the way he's been scoring recently. Oh, yeah. Suzuki has a chance of, and Slavkowski can pick up his game and add some more. There's a chance Suzuki could finish this season as a point per game player on a not very good team. Um, so it's, but again, look at look at the the type of team the Bruins have with depth, and and you know, coaches leave and players leave, and they just keep winning, right? They keep winning, and that's that's what. And Gordon Hughes have said that right from day one. We want a team that's going to be competitive every year, not like get in the playoffs one year and maybe the next year. And they're not going with, you know, Mark Bergevin's line, well, we'll get in the playoffs and anything can happen. Mm-hmm. We want a team that we're in the playoffs, you know, and we're going to make things happen. We're not going to hope anything can happen. We're going to be good enough that we get in the playoffs that we should win. And maybe not win the Stanley Cup, but win a couple of rounds anyway. I mean, it's hard to win the Stanley Cup, as anyone knows. Um, and that's what they, that's what they're trying to build. And again, for Canadians fans, if, to get that kind of depth and that kind of team, it's going to take patience. And going back to Trevor Zegers again, that's why Ken Hughes is building so much of his core around guys that same age group, 21, 22, 23. So three years from now, they're 26, 27, and they should be in the prime. They should be in their mm-hmm. prime and not so old that, they're going to be good for one or two years and then it's done. Like at 26, they should have like a three-year period there 
uh, where they're still on the rise, and then you're gonna have younger guys coming up, and that's how you build a team that's successful every year. And you know, there there oftentimes I make them the butt of every joke, but you know, it could be worse. Like you want to talk a bad situation that should that shouldn't really should not be is like the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. What is yeah. going on over there? I'm like when I'm go on Instagram this morning and you know, this is after a win. Yeah. And I see a clip of uh, Brian Hayes, uh, the, the, the guy on overdrive on TSN, he was on with uh, Jay on right after the game last night. And he goes, he's talked about Mitch Marner's comments, Mitch Marner, basically saying Leafs fans uh, could say what they want and blah, 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 blah. And we're, we know we're playing good mm-hmm. hockey. The media could do whatever. And like, you want to get pitchforks out for you? Oh my God. Because I love what Brian Hayes said. Leaf fans don't want to be lectured on how to play, on how you're playing, because they're yeah. watching you on the ice. Yeah. So Canadians fans can take solace that, man, it's it's not the greatest to be a Canadians fan right now. But man, oh man, imagine being a Toronto Maple Leafs fan and well, that team missed the playoffs. In Toronto, there's sort of that history of star players being pampered, right? Remember they had the Muskoka five there for a while. The guys who the thing was, oh, they just want to finish the season so they can go back to their college <laughs> in Muskoka. They don't really care if they make the playoffs. And now with this, I mean, with, with Austin Matthews and that core, when it gets to the playoffs, you've seen it over and over and over again. They just sort of, they don't show up. They disappear. When the going gets tough, they disappear. And, and you know, with the big contract, they signed Austin Matthews to a Nylander. I'm thinking, like, if I'm GM of that team, I'm thinking trading one of those guys is probably going to be more valuable than signing them all because you're going to get a ton for Nylander and you would have got a ton for Matthews and you could have plugged some of the other holes, some of the problems they have on defense and goaltending and whatnot. But they put, you know, they got rid of uh, the old GM who was, you know, offense, 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 almost playing a video game. Mm-hmm. And it still seems to be the same thing. And Brandon Shanahan's still the guy in place, so it's president. But it, they just seem to think it's almost like it's, they're playing a video game where you've got all these offensive guys and we're going to score and we're going to win. And I know someone, one a former NHL scout told me one day, he says, well, what happens when you get to the playoffs and someone punches Austin Matthews in the nose? <laughs> or what happens when you get to the playoffs and somebody's hacking Nylander every time he's on the ice? Do they, do they still want to play? And the answer has been no. You know, to, to be brutally honest, once the playoffs get going, you're playing the same team every second night, and you got the same guy going up against you, and the same guy hacking you and whacking you, and maybe punching you in the nose. It's not easy. And uh, for the Leaf top players, they seem to take the easy way out. And those comments are sort of like that too, right? Oh, oh yeah, we're playing great. Well, you know, Toronto hockey fans watch a lot of hockey, and. Uh, they're not playing that great, right? They're, they're scoring goals, but they can't protect the lead. Their defensive problems are not getting good goaltending. Their defense isn't very good. And that's in the salary cap world. You know, going back to Ken Hughes, he's trying to build a balanced team. The Leafs are not a balanced hockey team, right? They're so top heavy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're paying all that money for your forwards and one defenseman. There's not a lot of money left to fill in the, the other spots you need to fill in in the roster. Well, well, that's that's also a huge a huge thing coming up is that the big talk was oh, Nylander is probably the guy, the odd man out. Well, that uh, that changed yeah. obviously. Now yeah. it's very clear that uh, it's go it's going to be John Tavares. He's you know at, by the end yeah. of his contract he's going to be thirty five. Yeah. Um, he's thirty three right now. However, you're still significantly handicapped. You're even more handicapped next year because you got a lot of money being freed up, but all of that is going to uh, Mitch Marner. Yeah. Uh, not Mitch Marner, uh, William Nylander. And then, um, you know, the year after that, Mitch Marner's contract is up. And yeah. ain't no way in hell he's taken less than William Nylander. I can yeah. promise you that. Yeah. And that was that was the key when uh, Kent Hughes was negotiating with Cole Caulfield was he's not going to get more than Nick Suzuki. That was – you're not getting more than Nick Suzuki. Talking with his agent, we're not going above there. So look at what Nick Suzuki's making. Your guy's getting less. It's creating a salary cap structure. And the least salary cap structure is just, you know, out of whack. It really is. It's, it's, it's un. 
believable and to think that it's even in the realm of possibilities that they can miss the playoffs yeah. is just wild to me. And they're just going to have a rough time going forward because I, it's like you look at their salary right now. It's just wow. Anyways, uh, they better hope for uh, for Brad for living's sake that the salary cap uh, has a couple bumps before yeah. uh, before it's time for that uh, contract. And they've got that. Leafs have a lot of no no movement clauses in contracts with guys too, which you know really ties Jam's hands. Yeah, it's just like yeah, it. it you toss them out thinking ah, you get a no trade clause and you get a no trade clause and you get a no trade clause. It's well, I mean, it's funny because you know, it's the classic, it's a classic GM move of going, yeah, I'm just going to toss these contracts around because it's probably not going to be me that has to deal with them anyways. So, um, yeah, that's but at least when Charlie came in, it was like, okay, there's going to be a new style, you know, and then right, but it, it seems to be the, you know, the same old thing. Yeah, it's uh, it's wild what's going on in Toronto right now. Um, back in Montreal, uh, where things are not uh, are are not so rosy, but they're also not as doom and gloom as that could be. That situation could be. Uh, listen, his name is going to be starting to be circled, uh, circulating more and more uh, with the coming weeks, with the trade deadline approaching. Is Sean Monahan? Um, rumors floating around about him and. Uh, uh, I'm I'm excited to see because like listen, this is what Kent Hughes does. You like it's not inconceivable that uh, listen. I don't know any forwards other than Trevor Zegers, frankly, that are out there. But uh, you know he gets uh, Canadians have a top ten pick. They get uh, a second first round pick in in Trevor Zegers. Probably that that top ten pick wouldn't be uh, moved, but they got two first round picks the year after one from Calgary package a bunch of those and Bob's your uncle. There's Trevor's ears. That's to yeah. me is something that would be Kent Hughes-esque. But yeah. uh, Sean Monaghan, what's the... Uh, well, with Monaghan, the, the interesting stuff coming out of the news conference. And one of the things was Hughes' response. It was Arpin Bass who asked them about uh, Monaghan. And there, there was a Darren Drugger reported that when mm-hmm. Monaghan signed with the Canadians, it was he was given assurances that he would, be moved, he would be moved at the trade deadline somewhere else. And Hughes did nothing to shoot that down. Like he didn't tiptoe around it a bit, but he basically yeah, said, you know, Sean Monaghan wanted to wanted to play in Montreal. He likes it in Montreal, and he really does. He also wanted to play somewhere where he knew he was going to play a lot or be an opportunity mm-hmm. to play a lot to prove that he can stay healthy, which he has so far this season. And if everything goes well and he signs here, he plays really well, he stays healthy at the trade deadline, Kent Hughes would trade him to a contending team somewhere you'd have a chance to win a Stanley Cup. So, you know, the Darren Drager reported and following that, like Sean Monaghan will not be with the Canadians after the trade deadline. I think that came out pretty clear from what Ken Hughes was saying. There's also, there's always a possibility he could re-sign him again in the summer, although that doesn't really happen very often uh, with guys that leave through a trade at the trade deadline. But um, the way, the way Monaghan's playing, you think that he'd get a first round pick for him. And if you can get a first round pick from Sean, you're crazy not to trade him. I mean, I love Sean Monaghan as a hockey player. He's a heck of a hockey player. He's got a lot of mileage on that body. He stayed healthy this season, knock on wood. So has Brendan Gallagher, but those injuries take a toll moving forward. Uh, so from a rebuilding team, I'm talking about you know, those guys 22, 23 uh, years old. Um, you know, Monaghan, by the time they're really into this, rebuild and at a point where they're going to be competitive every year um no he's 29 now right so he's going to be 32 when the canadians are in this and you know brendan gallagher now is like 31 and like 32 is old for a hockey player for any hockey player mm-hmm. but one who's had all the injuries that monahan's had and again i love sean monahan's a great hockey player great person great teammate i mean look what he did with joshua Waugh. he he slowed down on that play because he wanted joshua Waugh to get his first yeah, goal yeah. he said that after the game he knew he was behind them he knew once you get that first goal you get that monkey off your back in the nhl as a young kid and he, he said it like he had a two-on-one and he knew he was he was he was doing everything he could make to make sure joshua Waugh scored his first goal and that speaks volumes about sean Monahan as a teammate and a person so any team that would get him in a trade would be lucky to have that guy in their locker room. Especially if he can stay healthy, he can play center, he can play wing, he can play first line, he can play fourth line, he can play in the power play, he can have him kill penalties. He's just a great in the locker room, a real role model for young players. 
And as much as Canadian fans love John, uh, Sean Monahan, I love watching Sean Monahan play hockey. I love just focusing on him when he's on the air because he always makes the smart move. It seems he hardly ever makes a mistake. But if you can get a first-round pick from him in this rebuilding process, Ken Hughes would be crazy not to make that trade. You know what, Canadian? There is that gentleman's agreement that he will trade. Yeah. No, that that he, he didn't. That came up pretty clear. There is a gentleman's agreement that I'll sign with you. I want to play in Montreal, but in a perfect world, if I stay healthy and I play really well at the trade deadline, will you move me to a contending team? Mm-hmm. And uh, if there's one thing Canadians fans love more than Sean Monahan, Canadians fans love their first round picks. Love yeah. it. Love, love, love it. I, it's, you know, when, when, when the time comes uh, and there's a bit of a dead period in news, uh, this is going to happen really after the trade deadline. Uh, I'm going to have, I'm going to have you back on uh, with uh, in a round table with someone. I don't know who it will be, but we are going to talk a lot about the value of which a first round pick holds. And the way I got, I just got thinking about this is that, you know, I'm sitting at the bar against uh, the when the Canadians are playing against uh, uh, the New Jersey Devils, and you know, just a couple. We're just a couple friends talking, uh, sitting there talking about mm-hmm. hockey, and we go. My friend says to me, he "Goes, would you max offer sheet? Uh, this is, and we were just talking about mm-hmm. the, the trade that the uh, Toronto Raptors made yeah. to uh, for uh, Pascal Siakam, where they traded three first round picks, or the Pacers traded them three mm-hmm. first round picks." He goes, would you max offer sheet Elias Pettersson? And just to have that discussion with our comment section chiming in, I feel like would be very, very fun, uh, a very fun topic to have because, hey, once the trade deadline passes, we can't talk potential trade for yeah. uh, on, on hand three goalie systems yeah. and whatnot for uh, forty minutes. So yeah. hey, well, we can't talk about what he might do in the off season if they still have the three goalies. That we can do. Yeah. That we can certainly yeah. do. Uh, but we're gonna save. Uh, we're gonna save the offer sheet talk for mm-hmm. post uh, trade yeah. deadline. But uh, Stu, I just want to thank you again for joining me on a Friday night, uh, as as you always do. It's very much appreciated. And uh, stay warm and have yourself a great weekend. Always a pleasure. That's Stu Cowan. I'm Matt O'Han. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. LaVita.tv. Embrace your true nature and Playground, your premier gaming destination.